Guys, welcome back to the Built for Life podcast. Hopefully you have been enjoying it up until this point when I won episode four, which sounds a bit mental because obviously we're in past tense when you're listening to it. Yeah. <laughs> we're just in one episode after the other. <laughs> Can't figure it out. Feels very weird, but every time we record episodes, I feel as if we just want to release it now. Might just be the fact that we love the sound of our own voice. That, uh, that's a big part of it. Probably very, very true. Um, but today we want to talk about something that we see so often. Probably one of the biggest issues for people achieving success, not only with their bodies, but in life completely, and why they probably give up on their goals completely mm. along the way, is expectations versus reality. Yeah. So, Jen, do you want to talk a wee bit about it? So, oh, where did I even begin? So I think that um, sometimes when people first come in to the programme and I see them all ramped up, buzzing, ready to go they've obviously been and most of the time i would say in a place of pain yeah they're at a point where they can't continue the way that the way that they're going on they are frustrated they've just had what we call in the coaching world an insight so they've just come to the realization that the way that they have been can no longer continue the way that they have to be has to change and coming into our program is the answer yeah so when you um when you have an an insight it releases a huge rush of dopamine. It re releases a huge rush of endorphins. And then you get this lovely thing called motivation. Mm. Now, motivation only comes off the back of an insight. And an insight is learning something new about yourself or the world around you. So at that point, you learn, I need something new. This is what it is. You are on top of the world, right? You are unstoppable. You're raring to go. And I look at you and I go, oh, my sweet summer child. <laughs> you have no idea what's to come, right? And I think we do a lot of work clarifying and managing expectations for people. As a coach, it's a fine line to walk because we see your potential mm. far beyond where you see it. Yeah. So when you come in and you tell us, I would like to lose two stone, we know you're going to lose two and you're going to want another two. Yeah. When you say, I would like to get, I would like to do a couch to 5k, we go, you're going to do a half marathon. Yeah. So we, we see your potential far beyond where, where you're currently limiting yourself. However, <laughs> we also have a job of supporting you on creating realistic expectations, yeah. specifically, not necessarily with the goal, but with the milestones along the way. Yeah. And I think back to when I first started working with you and I wanted to lose five stone in six months. In my mind, as someone who had been struggling to lose weight for all of their adult life, mm -hmm. that was a realistic goal, yeah. <laughs> right? I thought you held the magic key to the box of how to lose five stone in six months. And I had no understanding that my expectation was completely unrealistic. And to be fair to you, you didn't confirm or deny, right? You didn't say, yep, definitely. You could have. Yeah. You could have put me in a thousand calories a day and said, yep, definitely, we'll get that. But you didn't. But you also didn't say, like, oh, that's probably not going to work or, oh, like, I don't think that's, I think that's quite unrealistic. It was very much a, let's look at everything that's preventing weight loss right now and get that right. Yeah. And let's see how we go, right? Let's set those, I think you and you, <laughs> like, this ain't going to happen, uh, but we can get you a good enough result in this time that you will believe that it can happen. And that's exactly what did happen. Yeah. And I think that when you're coming from the place of pain, and when the pain is driving you, Jean said this to me and it really resonated with me, the inner critic will only ever get you so far. Mm. The inner critic will drive you and sustain you for a good chunk of time, but not forever. 
And once the inner critic subsides and once you get far enough away from the pain, you end up in that no man's land, right? That no man's land and the and uh, change human behavior change theory is called the transition zone mm. and i watch people bob about the transition zone <laughs> without knowing why they're there or what's going on and i think they come in what happens to people as they go through a journey of change is they come into the program and they think they're in the new beginning they think this is the beginning of my new journey this is the first day of the rest of my life they unconsciously set an expectation that they are going to perform to a consistent high standard for the whole of their time in the process. Yeah. At that initial stage, you don't believe that you're going to fuck up. Yeah. Right. You think, great, I've got the answer. I'm going to apply it 100%. I'm going to smash it. And we know, okay, let's wait till your first night out. <laughs> um, so for that first six, eight, ten weeks, you're in the honeymoon period. Yeah. You're like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like, I'm enjoying my training program. I'm enjoying my food. I'm getting out and about. I'm active everything's wonderful and rosy and then you maybe get to like the eight ten week mark sometimes 12 right mm. where you've been saying no to everything and everybody you've had no drink in the house no takeaways right you've been fully engaged because i think sometimes people think that's what we expect yes and we absolutely don't yeah. <laughs> right um but i think that sometimes people think that we expect they expect us to discourage them from living their lives and actually we encourage the exact opposite of that right exactly (laughs) um life is far too short to stop eating cake guys like we are cake cake before i came here yeah (laughs) same (laughs) and actually i was very proud no she actually never she she said she'd cake but she had like a slither of mine it's the least bit of cake i've ever seen jenny (laughs) exactly because all of the rest of the time i would be having a bit of cake right i'll have it after my long run um so they they create these expectations and they think that that sets the standard for how the rest of the journey will go. Yeah. And then it gets to that certain point and the motivation's left. Everything's starting to get a bit groundhog day. It's all starting to get a wee bit monotonous, a wee bit boring. You're not seeing the result that you expected to see because you thought your whole life was going to transform in 10 yeah. weeks. And we recognise that actually... This is when you break so that we can build you up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need you to break. <laughs> we need you to break. So at that point, you'll maybe go for your first night out and you'll have great intentions. I'm going to take the car or um, you send us the menu, right? I'm going to have the sea bass and boiled veg and no sauce. <laughs> I've watched the alcohol webinar you guys done. It was fantastic. <laughs> right? I've, I've put all the action steps in place. I'm having four gins and slimline and I'm home at 9pm. And then all of a sudden, it's Sunday morning, it's 7am. You're in somebody's gaff <laughs> waiting for the shop to open at 10, right? <laughs> we, we've watched people do this journey so many times. And then on the Monday, they either ghost us completely yeah. until we come looking for them or they come to us with a tail between their legs expecting a punishment or expecting a row we hear you're you're going to be so disappointed in me you must be so ashamed of me i feel so guilty i can't believe i've done this to you guys can't believe i've disrespected you guys and we're like whoa (laughs) (laughs) stop doing our thinking for us okay (laughs) we have we're not your parent (laughs) we are not here to punish you let's talk about what happened and the funny thing is is that in those moments people see these as catastrophic failures i've ruined all my progress i'm back to square one i can't believe i've ruined all these weeks of hard work and we were like will you just chill the fuck out (laughs) get your emotions under fucking check Absolutely, right. Take a deep breath and chill the fuck out. Sadistically, we love when this happens. Oh, big time. I love when people 
fuck up monumentally. See if you're going to fuck it up, do it to the extreme. Oh, Spend two days in a gaff, not seeing sunlight, aye, right? And come to us feeling like an absolute gremlin. Aye, like an absolute bag of dicks, aye. right? I want you to really come feeling like I have ruined absolutely everything because at that moment, great, this is a prime learning opportunity for us to understand what exactly happened in that week leading up. What happened in that day? What yep. happened in the moment that you made the decision? How has it made you feel? What do you now value after 10 weeks of doing fucking amazing? What was the best bits about it that you love, that you mm. cherish? I'm going to watch you fail monumentally at least three times in your journey of change. Yep. And each time you're going to learn something new at each of those failures that you didn't the last time. Yes. I need you to fail spectacularly or you're not changing yeah it's that simple yeah I, I love that and it's funny because so many people come to mind that have failed in that way <laughs> but i've done incredible ever yeah. since and yeah. it is really the making of them but i think they also can use expectations on the flip side as well and it's funny because you can almost use expectations and blame them for when things don't happen the way that you want them to happen and then you can create expectations to make yourself feel comfortable for what you do. Oh, so it's like, yeah. on the flip side, it's the, well, I can get away with just having a couple of takeaways at the weekend. <laughs> it's fine, it won't harm my progress, but then you're not moving forward. So yep. it's working for you at the time, yep. but afterwards it's not. Yeah. So it's this kind of story we tell ourselves as well, and totally. this kind of inner game of tennis we play, we Absolutely. want to call it that, how we're going back and forth. And a lot of the time you're just caught either a weak moments, you're caught around the wrong people, which I think a lot, a lot of individuals aren't willing to take a good look at. Mm. I know the people I can spend my time with. I know the people that I can't spend my time with so much. Like I really do have to distribute my time appropriately because I know I will feel like sucked of energy in some scenarios mm. and I'll feel probably fried in other scenarios. Yeah. I feel like I take in too much of people that are very high flying as well. I need that kind of like appropriate balance in a totally. sense. And you learn that over time. Also people from an environmental perspective, not understanding like what they need to do at the weekend in comparison to what they've always done. So if you always got triggered to have a drink on a Saturday night because you didn't have any plans, you didn't structure your day and you were just sitting about, of course you're just going to go and have another drink Absolutely. because that's the, that's the habit, that's the void you're trying to fill. Yeah. And you've not really changed your expectations for what you can do instead either. Yeah. So it's yeah. finding that. But there's also like a sense of complacency in there, I think, of yep. I'm out of the woods, no longer in pain. Like you said, you're in that position where Things have been good. They're comfortable. Let's call it comfortable mm. because your comfort zone previously where you were is often your comfort zone before it becomes so uncomfortable that you need to change. And then you've maybe moved so far to the point where you've got too comfortable and your mindset slipped a little mm. bit with that expectation of, okay, I'm going to approach this in a certain way. And then when it doesn't go the way that you want it to, it then makes you feel as though there's like a a bit of a rock up your ass yeah. to go that extra step and like go, do you know what? I can't I can't afford to take my foot off the gas here. I can't afford to like lack the awareness in these situations yeah. because look at how I just made myself feel. Yeah. And people can, don't get it wrong, people can lie in it for a bit too long, far mm -hmm. too long, or people can use it as sheer firepower to go, nah, not again. Yeah. And they learn from it. And the point that we always say to our guys as well is we don't want it to be perfect. We know this will happen again. So see, if you've just ended up in a gaff on Sunday till Sunday morning <laughs> for the Friday night, you're still going to end up in another gaff at <laughs> yeah. 6 o'clock, 7 yeah. o'clock on a Sunday morning at another point. We want it to happen less frequently. Yeah, absolutely. Less frequently. And actually understand that if you ever do want to do that, mm -hmm. build like a set of principles to do it. 
I spoke the other night to the guys and we've spoke so much about principles. We've done webinars on principles and principles are like life rules to protect you from yourself yeah. or protect you from other people. And the thing is, you're only protecting yourself from other people because you're not entering into a situation where you can get made to feel as if you have to make a choice where you're out of control. Mm. You're always still in control. So it is really you saving yourself from yourself. And I will always have the the goal of not drinking any more than twice per month and not any two weekends back to back because my productivity is shot. So I know straight away I can either drink in week one and four, week one and three, week two and four, mm-hmm. and week two and yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, the three of them. So it's no two back to back, but that's twice in a month. So if I've got four plans across the course of a month, it's that's what I'm drinking, that's what I'm not drinking. I need to be ruthless with it. Yeah. And I will give myself a few opportunities through the year. I usually stay one every quarter, even though I don't take it, to just get absolutely pissed. Yeah. <laughs> like if I'm same, going out, just same. go, do you know what? Let your hair down. I'm not setting a drink slam. I'm not doing this because I know every time after it, I'll probably go longer without doing it again. Same. Christmas Day, I was on one. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely on one. Um, you've seen the videos. I was fucking... Oh, mate. R- I was like, rattling. <laughs> I sincerely hope for you and Joanne's sake that you get dance lessons before your wedding because <laughs> if I see you dancing like that <laughs> at your first dance, I'm going to be... Mo- I'm going to need to leave I'm, I'm going to... Um, I'm going to say it was the drink so I'm going to make sure I'm sober at that point at the wedding hopefully I can move my body a little bit more um, let's just say flexibly yeah I'll look, I'll look back in the video and it definitely looked like I was a dry bat I would try to fucking hump something Joe you know, it's funny though because it's one of those things where I think it was you that said was it your mum who said who was it that said that you should never get drunk on purpose? My mum. You should always get drunk by accident. And I yeah. feel like any time I do get drunk, it's always by accident. Yes. It's always when the last time I was really horrendously drunk was at my friend Claire's wedding. And I think it was one of those things where it was the first we'd had uh, me and Laura both get married kind of during COVID, but we weren't all there. Yeah. So this was the first wedding we'd had as a group of friends where we were all together. It was the first like big post-COVID event and I just get so excited it was a sunny day it was Brigadoon it was beautiful surroundings and I was just like constantly sending Paul to the bar for another bottle of Prosecco and I don't drink Prosecco another bottle of Prosecco and I just get so excited and carried away that I was like so buzzing and excited and happy to be around all my friends that I was absolutely wrecked clear said every time she turned around that was standing at the bar getting another round of shots <laughs> and then i find myself the next morning spewing in a tim Horton's car park before oh, <laughs> before man. we get drove up the road and that was last may and i've not been drunk since <laughs> well that's why i'm going sober until my stag do like it yeah. was exactly six months for the new year until i fly in my stag do and i was like i'm not drinking again we came home for that night i don't even know where we ended up we went to the christmas brunch and then we went to a bar and then that bar was shutting, so we went to a place called Rock Bottom. That's what it was called. Oh, God. It, it goes by the name. I was on the rooftop and there was a pool on it. And I kept talking to these guys that didn't know me. And there was Shisha and there was um, Shwarma made on the rooftop. And then we got McDonald's on the way home. So we were out from, what, 11 a.m. that day. And I think it was four, half past four before we got home, maybe even five o'clock. Oh. And it's so funny because Joanne's usually the one that's always getting absolutely <laughs> Hashed, right and she's the one that's waking me up when i'm like working early the next day or have a big training session she's always the one phoning me saying that she's lost her purse and needs money she's always <laughs> phoning me for something and the thing is i say go and have a great time don't care when you come home just do not wake me up <laughs> right and she always wakes me up so it was funny because she must have been waiting to like give me a real hard time oh, on Boxing yeah. Day. She's like, hi, the tables I, have she, turned. I, she's like, the tables have finally turned. I can get this bastard back. <laughs> so 
I woke up on on Boxing Day after Christmas and I still had all my clothes on. <laughs> <laughs> and I was so delirious and I looked over at her and she was up and she's never up before me, which goes to show that she was definitely yeah. not as steaming as I was. And she was just like, no talking to you. <laughs> so I'm thinking, what have I done? Because I was like, I'm pretty sure I was about a hoot yesterday. Yeah. Like, I can remember some of it. I don't think I kind of went all blacked out way. Mm-hmm. What the hell did I do? So <laughs> follow her through the living room, still in last night's clothes. And she goes... Look what you done. Look at this the couch that we just got, like this cream couch covered in like tomato sauce oh, and all that. No. Like, oh, I mean, cover, covered. So I was like, that wasn't me. <laughs> I was like, I want to do something <laughs> like that. The dog. I was like, that what? And she was like, no, you did. We came in, we got a McDonald's. Do you remember that? And I was like, I do kind of remember that. She was like, and I was trying to take a bite of your burger and you kept telling me no. And you obviously thought well, you were that pulling that out. Right. <laughs> That's definitely right. <laughs> I was like, mm, yes, she's not making this up. So she was like, I kept trying to take a bite and you were just pulling it away. But you clearly thought you were just pulling it away from my face. No, you weren't. You were throwing it all over the couch, all the tomato sauce. You were, you were like, you were, pushing, you were pushing and dragging the burger into the couch. And... <laughs> At one point, you just like let it all go and it just fell apart on the sofa. So I was in the bad books after it. Quite right. For a short period of time, but I felt terrible for like two oh. days. And that was the only time I drank over the Christmas period. I've not drank this year. Won't drink until I go my stag doing the 30th of June. Even after my wedding, we'll probably be sober again till the tail end of the year. There's a common theme across the board that people that have a lifestyle that doesn't include things like drinking. Yeah. And again, supported by research, more units of alcohol you consume, higher likelihood you are to obviously yeah. eat more food and even what comes with that as well like when you take an alcohol you do lose conscious thought process yeah and this is why it's so funny when we done the alcohol webinar and i basically said like if someone has said something to you steaming doesn't mean that it's true oh do you remember that stupid thing folk used to say where uh, drunk minds speak sober thoughts i have told some absolutely categoric lies any of my pals will tell you my favorite thing to do when i'm drunk is just tell lies right (laughs) like the amount of lies that i have told drunk that the next day my pals have been like, what the fuck was that? And I was like, oh yeah, that was a blatant uh, lie. There was no truth in that whatsoever. <laughs> like, th- what, what a stupid, stupid um, singing. Uh, and and honestly, it, it's again, it's proven by the fact that you lose control of parts of your brain when you consume alcohol. So then the way in which you present yourself isn't true. Don't get me wrong. If you are then drunk and you're insecure about something mm. and someone says something to you to trigger insecurity, that's why you believe it's right. Yeah. And it's this whole thing again about people thinking that they are so important that other people are focusing on them so much. Yeah. And that's what happens when insecure people meet drunk people who are also yeah. probably insecure to some degree. Um, because most people who are insecure always get fucking steaming. Yeah. And then that's why it's a recipe for disaster because alcohol lowers your confidence. People think it gives you confidence but it definitely doesn't it lowers your confidence over time yeah. because the more that you get drunk the more that you maybe act in a particular way that makes you feel as if other people are, are judging you around you yeah and you might think back and someone said something to you last night you're like oh my god all my friends are judging me then you react in a particular way well they probably are definitely judging you now yeah, totally. <laughs> and it's like a spiral and obviously it brings on more anxieties and it takes you further away from like living a a balanced life in your mind not balanced yeah. life as in balance that you need to find yeah. but a balanced life in your mind yeah and it's that it's that ego belief like i am what i am what others think of me yeah and the the relationship with alcohol if it's not a good one often fuels that because what you think other people think of you is based entirely on what you think about yourself yeah so you project your deepest insecurities onto other people and assume that they see you and think of you in the same way that you do yourself and they can't because yeah. they don't know you the way that you know yourself. But 
I think something that we speak to the guys about a lot, and it's probably like you and I are not big drinkers anyway, so I don't yeah. know if they see if they think that we think that they shouldn't be drinking. That's not the case at all. Yeah. It's one of those things to consider that if you if you want to gain something different, you have to change your relationship with all of it. Yeah. Food, alcohol, sleep, stress, hydration, training, like all of those things, your relationship has to change in all areas. Mm. And if you want to get drunk every single weekend on the journey to high performance, it ain't going to happen. It's always going to be the thing that holds you back. And yeah, absolutely. Have a glass of wine, like unwind, chill, enjoy yourself, but make sure the choice is the one that's coming from your own autonomy of I genuinely want to have this drink. Yeah. I genuinely want to have this glass of wine and not the classic Scottish pattern of what you know drinking for, what's wrong with you? Like leave me alone. Yeah. Leave me alone. Yeah. Nobody asked me now because if I'm driving to something that's not news. Yeah. But it's so hard for people who are always the drinkers in those initial stages of not drinking to say that they're not drinking. Because yeah. people immediately in our society go, well, what's wrong with you? Take a drink. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and the thing is, you just have to overcome that over time. Like, I built such an expectation of myself. Like, I was always the guy, especially when I had a drink, that would do anything. Yeah. Like, I'd built myself to be that guy because that's, like, how I would fit in. So when I stopped drinking, the amount of turmoil initially that that get met with was ridiculous. Mm. I couldn't be relied upon for that guy to come on the night out anymore. I couldn't be relied upon to be that mate that shows up steaming with the gear yeah because that's who it always been you yeah. know and then when that changed it was always like buy no drinking but come on it's my birthday this or that and i was just like no and it kind of got to the point where i was like well cool if you want me to drink that much and it's that important that i come and i drink and that's all you really want me there for i'm not coming mm-hmm. like i got to that point for mm-hmm. me and i was like well i'm not good for not just coming sober yeah you know and, and yeah. being part of the experience and being part of that time with you yeah and i went sober for six months it was the best thing i ever done to re- like recover from a relationship with alcohol anyone that knows me knows like i've always had a, like, an upbringing that's had a really poor relationship with alcohol because of how i was exposed to it around about me and i was definitely destined to go down a similar path to like how i'd always seen those relationships around me with alcohol um and i decided listen i need to go sober here for six months and that's when i done my first physique show at the end of it i just focused on a goal focused on separating myself from people who were really just drinking friends mm. and people always think sometimes when they hear that story like i need to not drink for six months to improve my relationship with it and i'm like yeah but only if you do the work through it as well mm, like i could have just said i'm not drinking for six months and done fuck all it wasn't just me working on my body it was me ex- accepting a lot of the things that had been going on in my life it was me being very brutally honest with myself it was me looking at who I was in the mirror more frequently and like calling myself out my shit. It was me not getting too hung up in other people's opinions. All of that only came from the fact that I was able to quieten the noise around me because I removed myself from those situations. Mm. And when you remove yourself from those situations and you do isolate yourself, which is actually such an important part of the process of growth. I actually spoke to the guys um, recently on a webinar about this. Like, you do have to isolate yourself. People mm. hear that word and they're like, I don't want to isolate myself. And it's like, well, listen, you might be at a point in comparison to someone else where someone can go out and doesn't have to isolate themselves because they've actually been brought up with a good relationship around food, good relationship around alcohol. You know, those people who say, my pals can eat anything and get away with it. Mm. They never change shape. They never gain body I fat. Those fuckers. I, again, it's because <laughs> you see them at the McDonald's, but they'll not eat anything the rest of the day. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Plus, they might move a lot more than you. Mm-hmm. Like, they might not actually focus on getting their steps in. I but they don't get their steps in or go to the gym. Aye, but they might still move a lot throughout yeah. the day. Their subconscious movement still yeah. might be, mu- still might be that, much higher. That's exactly 
Charlie like Paul. He literally eats once a day. Aye. And he walks, moves constantly, constantly. everywhere. Aye. And I used to think, you can eat whatever you like and get away with it. And then I was like, oh no, he's just not eating to the excess Aye. <laughs> that Aye. Exactly. I was. Exactly. So I, I had to isolate myself from everything to see clearer and to understand myself better. Yeah. And if you're in a place right now, for anyone that's listening, that is struggling mentally, struggling emotionally, feels like they can't find themselves in the world, feels like they're doing things because they feel they should for other people. Their drinking is probably a bit out of control. Their food's a bit out of control. They just feel like they're doing things for their own reasons. You need to take a step back for everything. Yeah, absolutely. Because you're never going to see clearly anything in front of you unless you remove that stress and remove mm. that person that you think you should be. Mm. And again, that's an expectation. Totally. It's an expectation of ego beliefs, like having to present yourself in a particular way. It might be what you what what you're you're described by what you have you're described by what other people think about mm. you you're described by your experiences like your success and stuff yeah. like that as well because i think it's very easy especially in like social status circles you know the ones where you may have a friendship group and one person in the friendship group their mums and dads are minted mm. and they uphold the standard of the minty kid that gets everything after mom and dad that mm. doesn't really have to work hard and you can't really relate to them because you're out on a paper round fucking at 14, 15 years old, drenched every single night trying to get paper money and your expectation is that you're trying to work to create that life for yourself because you see that as the thing you don't have, you're void yeah. of it and you see that that person is usually looked up to because everyone else also wants that too. Yeah. So there's an expectation then to maybe work yourself into the ground too much to create an opportunity for yourself that perhaps you didn't actually even want just to try and emulate to be mm, at that level absolutely you know it's so yeah. it's very fried yeah and i think that you, you, we can get that that situation where you do want it to just like fall out the sky yeah you just do want it to be given to you you don't want to have to put in the work and the thing is is that what you build yourself no one can ever take from you 100 so what you create for yourself no one can ever lift away for you for that whereas if it's given to you it can be taken away from you at any any given time. And I think that's a, another big expectation that people create is that everyone in their life is going to be supportive of their change. And actually, you cannot compare your high-performance standards to other people's average ones. And when Absolutely. they see your high-performance standards, they're going to feel intimidated and they're going to discourage you from any sort of high-performance. Yeah. And they will use this veiled, compa supposedly compassionate language like you've lo you're losing too much weight, you know you're looking very slim, yeah. or you're you're doing too much, you're at the gym too much, or just leave your steps, or there's nothing wrong with you, or just have a drink. They're always going to encourage you to stay the same. And the thing is, is that people who love you will always encourage you to stay the same because they they want you to be comfortable. They don't yeah. want you to be uncomfortable. And even if discomfort means growth. They're all like your ma is always going to discourage you for doing anything risky or uncomfortable because yeah. they love you and they just want you to stay the same and, and happy. But the if your if your growth and if your your journey of development is dependent on the validation and reassurance of other people, then it's always as easily lost by not getting that validation. Absolutely. Like if you depend on other people for that constant feedback, that constant validation to constantly reinforce your own belief about what you're doing being the right thing. The minute their expectations change, so do your behaviours. Yeah. Actually, the reason you need to isolate yourself is that so you are not influenced by every single Tom, Dick and Harry who goes, oh, well, I did keto and that worked for me. Or yeah. well, don't worry about that. Come and do this instead. 
if you are driven by the need for validation from other people, then the minute their opinions on you change, your opinion of yourself changes. If you isolate yourself to work on you, nobody can ever change the opinion that you have of yourself. It's you versus you at every different level. Yeah, I love that. Absolutely spot on. And the thing that's actually harder than finding talent in people sometimes is actually the consistency. Oh my God. Like people will always <laughs> People will always look at the talent and always have the expectation of I can't do that because someone's more talented than mm. me or having a support circle that thinks the same like how come they're doing that mm. and I can't so I'm going to discourage them because somehow they must be automatically more talented no they're just showcasing more resilience yeah. more discipline on a consistent basis yeah people have a really bad relationship with consistency oh because they do get so far and then they believe that they've done so much to be to be warranting the outcome mm. Like I have worked my tits off for the last 18 years nearly, went for doing a paper round, which I built up to probably the best paper round in Hamilton. At one point, I went out for paper money every single day. I used to just fuck my study enough mm. for exams and all that to go and get paper money. I was still walking around being a paper boy at 16, but it was probably deemed pretty uncool after building this thing up for when I was 12. Then worked part-time for the year when I was still at school. Went on to another part-time job just after I left school before I went into full-time employment in the same place. Been in full-time employment ever since. Since I became a PT, I have probably done, over the past, what, 10 years nearly? I've probably worked 10 hours a day, every mm -hmm. day, pretty much. Because even when you think about holidays that I've taken, I've worked all weekends for 10 hours at times. Every day of the weekend for weeks and months online um to make this happen mm. you know and that's consistency that gets you to a point where we're able to sit here and have a very intelligent conversation about something and be very well balanced from an emotional standpoint to understand what's bullshit and what's right yeah. and actually when we're telling ourselves bullshit and what's what's right and what's best for is amongst that as well and people especially now and i do feel for generations to follow because i really do feel myself that i'm a bit of an older soul mm. i feel even though i was born in like the early 90s i could have been born in like the 60s you know that yeah. way i take a lot from like my grandparents they were born in like the 20s god bless her soul obviously um but i always felt like so mature in comparison to to a lot of people yeah and i think now with the epidemics we have around mental health obesity like people people saying it's okay to just take part mm. you know what i mean as well like giving people not applause but giving people awards yeah for just taking part like and make it out that that's okay like it's not demoralizing you and your ability for future life when struggles do happen but it's playing down the person that put in the fucking hard work and deserve the medal and yeah. deserve the award and don't get me wrong i applaud everyone that wants to take part in something but i still believe that if you get a reward for taking part of something why should you at any point try and strive to be better because mm. you're going to get rewarded anyway yeah. and i've actually spoke behind the scenes to quite a few people about this and most people probably won't know this about me i don't know i want to have a child because i don't know how to deal with that like i was brought up with very little so i've always had to work for what i've had joanne's very much the mindset now because we are in a more comfortable position that we should basically give our child everything and i'm not on board with that no i mean i not. want to find a parent <laughs> method that gives them what they need and no more and they learn the same skills that i had to learn yeah. and i'm not willing to have a child until that happens because mm. i would probably resent my child yeah. if he was a little spoiled wacker yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely and i think it's one of the things where 
you do want to you you want to remove struggle as much as possible but when you think about both of our journeys every single time there has been struggle it has brought success yeah and like i know i spoke um not last time the time before a wee bit about being in an abusive relationship and i spoke about it um at the event last weekend yeah yeah they're all, all the days are blurring into one and um somebody i can't remember when but somebody asked me if you could see him again if you could see your abuser again and speak to him what would you say and i said i'd say thank you and they were like what like that's nuts and i was like i know i know it sounds mad and i know it sounds like it's i know it sounds like i don't mind that it happened to me and that's not the case it should never have happened right it shouldn't happen to anybody but actually if that hadn't happened to me where would I lack resilience? Yeah. Like, where would I lack belief? Where would have been the drive to rebuild? And the thing is, is that it shouldn't take for horrendous things like that to happen to people for them to be able to have that drive and that mm. build. But even though it was such a horrendous experience that altered the whole trajectory of my life, it altered the whole trajectory of my life. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's one of those things where... I can't change it and it's part of the story. So I want to be grateful for the chapters that came after it and how the chapters that came after it were caused by it because yeah. I can't change it. I don't want to sit and be angry and resentful about it. I've spent all this time working and healing from it. So actually now I'm like, thanks very much yeah. because I now stand in front of rooms of 100 people and talk about it confidently. Yeah. It doesn't control me. It doesn't have power over me. And I know that's about an extreme example I don't think that things like that should have to happen to you in life for you to build resilience, but it makes me wonder now how would I deal with unknown uncertainty, ambiguity, challenge? Like, how would I deal with all of those things if I didn't have an already huge store of resilience yeah. to lean into? Like, if I hadn't had the rug snatched from under my feet so quickly, where would, where would my strength and character come from? Yeah. You know, you which sounds it sounds a bit sick, but it's yeah. true. Like you wouldn't be here. <laughs> well, exactly. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I, I would probably be playing small and playing safe. Exactly. And actually, like when you've had all safety removed from you and you've had to rebuild it on your own. Yeah. Like I built my house up from nothing so nobody can tear my house down because yeah. I built it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I I remember I think it was very similar to like a lot of coaches probably during COVID time. I remember after COVID had passed and obviously COVID was actually a really good time for a lot of people, obviously putting work into themselves, getting fitter and so on and so forth. And I started working in Authority Network, which is like a mastermind for fitness coaches, one of the biggest in the world. And I remember someone asked me about whether or not like I would be confident enough if I lost my business. And I was like, 100% I would. Mm. So I would either rebuild it or I would rebuild something else. Yeah. Like I'm not destined for a nine till five thing. I'm destined to use my skills for something better. And I believe that and you build that belief along the way. Like you don't have to be confident right now. You don't have to be confident right now with anything you want to achieve. You just have to have a little bit of courage. There's yeah. a difference between lacking confidence and not being ready. You yeah. might just not be ready. Like I get that. Some people just aren't ready to take action sometimes. Sometimes they do actually have to wait until their back is fully up against the wall to have that urgency and kick up their arse mm. to do it. But when you're lacking the skill, yeah. like to know... Right, I can do this just because you're lacking confidence from not doing something. 
is completely different and confidence will only build as you continue to grow and I think your expectations shift and change with that because you're no longer managing expectations from a place of unknowingness like yeah. because when, when you start out in this journey for example and you've not been through something of course your expectations are going to be through the roof but when you've been through so much trial error failure I don't expect anything bar the lowest to, to happen now but I have the confidence that more than that will happen so people will say oh that's very pessimistic that you aim for the you, you think the lowest outcome will come and I'm like no that's just so I don't get disappointed yeah. but I always know also in the back of my mind so it's like I trick myself I tell myself yeah. that the lowest outcome is going to be the the, the thing that's going to happen mm. but in my mind I know that it's not going to be it's yeah. like I'm competing in high rocks this weekend so I'm like listen I'm not going to be disappointed if I finish last but in yeah. my head I'm like I'm fucking taking that podium spot <laughs> <laughs> you know so totally, totally. it's 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 just you learn to manage your emotion and kind of get inside your head a wee bit and just not let your emotions run you yeah absolutely and and, and that self-belief that people look for, right? That holy grail of, I just don't believe in my ability to do it. And I'm like, yeah, because you've never fucking done it. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> right? Go and fucking do it and come back to me. People say to me all the time, I don't have any self-belief. And I say, okay, in relation to what? And it's in relation to this thing that I'm doing that I have never done before. You can't build belief in your ability to do something unless your brain has the evidence to yeah, show you yeah. you have the ability to do it. So actually, if you're waiting for self-belief to fall out of the sky or jump out on a page of a self-help book or come into your ears from a podcast, me talking to you about self-belief is not going to build your ability to believe that you can do something, yes. right? You have to prove to yourself and give yourself evidence either in support or against. Yeah. And what happens for people who go on this journey is they come in with the expectation that we devil on their shoulder saying, you've tried to do this. every At the point in time people join our program, every single time they've tried to do this before they've failed, right? Because even if they've managed to do it, they've not mm. been able to sustain it. So they've achieved they've not done it, it, right? Yeah. Which means they've not done it. So they don't believe that what we can do for them and what we can support them to do is possible. Yeah. So you can't come in and expect your self-belief to switch overnight. And if you come to me three months into your journey or six months into your journey and say, I don't have any self-belief, yeah, no. You're not going to believe on your ability to do it until you've done it, yeah. right? And even things as simple as like when I ran that half marathon, I had no self-belief and I trained the whole thing and I ran the whole thing, not believing at any point. Even when I seen you bullying me at the 19K mark, I still didn't believe that I was going to get to the 21K mark. I still yeah. didn't believe I was going to be able to cross the finish line until I went over it. Okay. Now that I've done it and I'm training for another one, yeah. I know that I can't buy into my own bullshit because I have evidence that, you can do it. that I can do it. Yeah. So I have belief that I can do it because the evidence is there. Stop waiting for the courage to come or the confidence to uh, Stop waiting for the confidence to come. Yeah. All you need is the courage. The confidence and the self-belief will only come from doing and you only build self-belief by doing. Yeah. Like when I started this business, I had zero self-belief in its ability to work because mm -hmm. I'd never done it. I just had to take the step into the unknown and trust that it was all going to be okay and get you to bully me every time I doubted myself, <laughs> right? Get I've, been yourself, I've been doing that for years. Get yourself a professional bully, <laughs> but... I think it's one of those things where people wait for it to come. Yeah. I'll wait for my self-belief to come and then I'll take action. And actually, your self-belief is delayed in the post. It's yeah. coming to your mail. It's not going to be here anytime soon. So stop waiting on it and just start doing something. It's in a fucking bottle in the ocean. <laughs> exactly. It's in like the, the Royal Wheel Strike Room. <laughs> it's it's such a, a good subject to touch on though. And what would you say for people, like maybe just 
to finish off a couple of action steps that you believe people could implement to try and manage their emotions a little bit better and their expectations alongside that? I think a lot of the time it's about helping un- helping yourself to understand that feeling emotions are not a bad thing. Yeah. Actually feeling, understanding and being able to label your emotions is a huge pinnacle yeah. of emotional yeah. intelligence. Reacting based on the emotion that you're feeling is the thing that's tripping you up the most. Find yeah. an outlet for the emotion. Yeah. Right? Not food. Not food. <laughs> not <right>? alcohol. <laughs> I have alternative outlets for every possible emotion. If I'm angry, I run or go to spin. Yeah, right? Yeah. Sometimes I say to you, I'm really angry, and you say, go and book spin. And yeah, I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> Find an outlet that supports you with the emotion. And anything good, anything life changing, anything that's going to make a difference to you lies in the ambiguous, the uncertain, the uncomfortable, and the unknown. Nothing good is found in the comfort zone. Nothing good is found in the familiar. If you want to go to a new and higher standard, then create an expectation that your reality has to become the unknown, the uncomfortable and the uncertain because that's the only place that your new standard lives. Exactly. I love that because we were actually talking about something before we came here and um, you said that you're getting better at taking action on that sooner now whereas you used to kind of sit on the Mm -hmm. fence. And I'm obviously a bit further ahead and we talked about everything and i said i would have cut this conversation like an hour ago and yeah. just went and done that fucking thing <laughs> because i'm like what's the point of sitting around yeah. let's do it let's see what happens and then the feedback will tell us whether or not we're doing the right thing or actually if we have to do it better next time so it goes to show that if you just give yourself the the trust to maybe sit in that emotional volatility for a while yeah you actually learn how to handle it. How many check-ins do we get? How many messages do we get when people are high in emotion? Oh, and sometimes it's yeah. like, I'm not texting you back right now because what I'm saying here isn't even going to go in. Yeah, yeah. So it's taking that approach. So that was really insightful, Jen. Thank you. Thank you. Um, guys, as always, please share the podcast. Reach out if anything was helpful. Ask any questions. Um, we will see you next time. Bye. Adios.